We've been in the middle of a series here called If, if You Could Be New. Okay? How, are your, how are your New Year's resolutions going? Anyone still keeping them? Anybody? Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, a little shaky here. Okay. How about for any of you, thought, as you thought about New Year's resolutions, any of you thought about making a big change this year? Maybe you have a big decision ahead of you, and maybe it's this question of um, going back to school, or maybe it's changing jobs, or maybe it's this question of like, should I, should I get married? We've been dating. Is it time to get married? Or maybe you've been long married, and you're wondering whether you should get legally married, or maybe you're, you're looking at moving, moving in with your parents or out of your parents, okay? But, but a lot of, I think a lot of us have this big decision, ahead of us in 2016. Some of you, it's already on your radar. For some of you, you aren't even going to see it till it hits you, okay? But I think every year, some of us face big decisions. Some of you have even made it a New Year's resolution. I want to quit that job that is slowly sucking the life out of me. I want to go back to school and finish that degree that I didn't finish a few years ago. So whatever your big decision is, you've come on a good day. Because if you've got a big decision ahead of you, that's what we're going to talk about today. Okay? Two weeks ago, as part of this series, two weeks ago, we talked about, I want to get healthier. And I had some, some, some wisdom on that. Last week, we talked about, I want to quit a bad habit. And I shared with you guys that, that quitting a bad habit is not about quitting a bad habit. It's about replacing it with a good habit. And today, today I want to talk about, I want to make a big decision. I want to make a big change in my life. Because big changes come with big decisions. And sometimes they're hard. Sometimes they're scary. And so when I think about, when I think about my, my life and, and kind of the Greg Rhodes annals of bad decisions I've made, one of them always makes me laugh every time. I laugh about it now because it, I, it doesn't really hurt like it did way back then. That's why I can laugh about it now. So I, I want you to flash back to the 80s with me and imagine me back in high school, particularly my senior year in high school. And it's senior year in high school, and I get word, I'm not, I'm not dating anyone, and, and we've got homecoming coming up. And so I get word that this girl likes me and wants me to ask her to homecoming. Okay? Now, this isn't just any girl. Okay? Her name was Carolyn, and she was actually the junior homecoming queen. Now, in high school, I was not a guy that homecoming queens dated. Okay, I was the guy who wished homecoming queens dated. So when I got word that the junior homecoming queen liked me, well, I wasted no time in asking her to homecoming. Okay, so, so she said yes, of course, and we did the, the, the corsage and the boutonniere and all of that. We went to the dance, we took our picture, and here's actually our, here's the winter formal picture, or the homecoming picture. Okay. Oh, it's a little faint. You can't quite see it, but but so that that's Carolyn, and, and that's a very very young me. And yes, that is a pink bow tie. That is how confident I am in my masculinity. Okay, because of course I had to match her. Okay? And yes, that is more taffeta than any one person should wear. 
Okay? Um, so, th- so there we are at homecoming and take a cute picture. We go out for a few dances. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, hey, I see some of my friends. Hey, I'm going to go talk to her. So she goes over to talk to some of her friends. And I'm awkwardly standing along the side like most high school dances look like. And, and all of a sudden, like, she just stays over there and she doesn't come back. And she proceeds to ditch me for the rest of the dance. And so I ended up having to go find my friends and be like the awkward third, fifth, and seventh wheel on their dates. And it was horrible. It was miserable. And, and it was a terrible, worst dance experience ever. It was a terrible decision to ask Carolyn to, to homecoming. And I think when we look at it, like, I think I'm willing to bet we've all made some terrible decisions. Like, back then, I was heartbroken back then, but then, you know, you, you, teenage heartbrokenness only lasts so long. You go emo for a few weeks, and then you're fine, okay? And so I, I went fine, and life went on. But I think I always laugh about that because of how bad of a decision it was. And I think when it comes to our decisions, that's one of our fears, When we have a big change ahead of us, when we have a big decision ahead of us, I think it's one of our fears is, what if I make a bad decision? What if I decide to go back to school and I kind of flunked out the first time around? What if I flunk out this time around? What if I change jobs and the new job is just as bad or worse as the old job? Uh, Or take something that starts out great and then a year later is terrible. So I think that's one of the things we fear when it comes to making decisions, is that we're going to make a bad decision, okay? And so, and so, again, I don't know what kind of decisions you have ahead of us, but I'm, I'm curious. So actually, I'm, we're going to ask. We're going to do a little audience participation here. So I'm curious, for those, when you look at 2016, what big decision might you have ahead of you or might someone in this room randomly have ahead of them in 2016. Let's actually shout out a couple of them. What are some big decisions you might have ahead of you in 2016? Go ahead and shout some out. Clear out, clear out debt. Student debt, credit card debt, whatever kind of debt you have. Loan shark debt, okay? There you go. Clear out your debt, okay? What else? What are some big decisions you guys have coming up this year? There you go, 15,000 steps a day. I, I'm actually, on, I'm on 10,000 steps a day. Okay, that's what I'm working on. I, I, I got a little wearable here, so it's tracking my steps and all that. Th- yeah, so, so there, there we go. There we go, wearable buddy. There we go. Okay, so yeah, so 15,000 steps a day, which by the way, like that's impressive, dude. I'm barely hitting 10,000, so props on that. Uh, once I get 10,000, then I'm going to have to upgrade. So, okay, getting more steps during the day. What else? What's another big decision, big choice you, you might have ahead of you in 2015? 16, sorry. <laughs> what do you think? Anybody thinking about going back to school? Okay, a few, a few people. What about changing jobs? Okay, okay. How about any married couples thinking about kids? Or another kid? The ones with three or four kids, you're like, right. <laughs> Unless they're all girls, then you'll never, you're never hearing the end of it from your parents. Okay. So yeah, those are, all, those are all big decisions that we have. How do we know how to do those well? How can we do those so that we're not going to regret 
so you're so that you're not going to end up like me sitting alone in the back of a dance on a table sipping some watered down juice and living in regret well thankfully we don't have to answer that question we don't have to come up with ideas ourselves because scripture actually has some great advice about how to make big decisions the reason is that the early church faced anyone who was involved in the early church faced a big decision particularly if they weren't jewish now something we often forget about the early christian church it was made up almost entirely of jews it was not a gentile church it was a jewish church Sure, there were a few Gentiles, and Gentiles are basically non-Jews, anybody who's not Jew, Jewish, okay? So, but it was a Jewish church, which meant all, almost all the first believers all grew up following the Mosaic law, following the law that God gave them in the Old Testament. And what that law was designed to do was to help them live in relationship with God. Okay? And it had been passed on from generation and generation for hundreds, even thousands of years. So that's what they were living by. That's all they knew about what it meant to live in relationship with God, was following this law. And so all of a sudden, they start following Jesus. They believe he's the Messiah. Okay? But in the very beginnings of the church, that most of the Jewish folks were actually doing both. Because how do you abandon something that you lived with, you grew up with, was indoctrinated to you? You don't just give that up easily because it's too much a part of you. Imagine if following Christ meant no longer being Hmong. I mean, it doesn't work like that. You can't just one day decide not to be Hmong anymore. It doesn't work like that. Similarly, with the Jews who began to follow Christ. And so they were actually doing a little bit of both. And that was fine until Gentiles came in the picture. And they just messed everything up, okay? Because it got a lot more complicated for them. And there was a group of Jews who argued that the non-Jewish people who started coming to church needed to follow some of the Mosaic law. Particularly, there was one particular piece that was really important and that they really made a big deal about it. And it's something called circumcision. Now, without getting too graphic, circumcision is, it's, it's a process in which a small portion of the foreskin of the penis is snipped off and then sewn back up and healed. Okay, if you're curious, you can Google that. I was trying to find a, a, a safe for work diagram for that, but it just does not exist. Okay, so so if you if you're not entirely sure what circumcision is, you can Google it, but be forewarned. Okay, that I, I suggest you do it with someone with you because that's some disturbing imagery right there. Okay, but so that's an that's what circumcision was, and God gave circumcision. To, and commanded it to the Israelites as it describes as a sign of the promise of relationship with God. Now, why did it take snipp- snipping off a little piece of Mr. Winky to have a relationship with God? I don't know. Okay, I, I actually do. It's a much deeper question. If you're curious, come, we can, we can talk. Come on after service. We can talk circumcision. I can give you all the gory details. And, but, but it was a sign, and it was important. It marked them as belonging to God, as belonging to the family of God. So these, these Jews 
still believed that. And all of a sudden, these non-Jews came up, and then they were like, uh, oh, you need to get circumcised, because that's what it meant to belong to God. And there were others in the church who were like, no, we are followers of Jesus Christ. It, through Jesus Christ, we are free from the law. And so there was this group that was fighting for circumcision. And they were called Judaizers. Okay, the reason that is they were trying to make Christianity more Jewish. They were trying to Judaize the new, this new thing called Christianity. Okay, following so far? Is it kind of making sense? So kind of think there's this faction here that's arguing. Okay? And Paul argued back. And he argued back in a big way. And so, particularly, there was a church in, in a, an area called Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. I actually have a map here, okay? That's, that's where this place called Galatia, you, if you've been around churches, you've probably heard the book of Galatians. That's where it belonged, okay? Mediterranean Sea, there's Turkey. Galatia was smack dab in the middle of it. And there was a church in there that Paul, the Apostle Paul, planted. He started it. And this issue of circumcision became huge. People were fighting over it. They, they were throwing plates back and forth. No, but, but it was a huge fight in the church. So when Paul wrote his letter to the church, he decided to address these, these Judaizers who were arguing for the decision to be circumcised. And so all those new Gentile non-Jewish believers had a big decision ahead of them. So Paul argued how to make a good decision. And he basically blasted the Judaizers. So we're going to take a look at a little passage here where he sort of gets them in their sights and he just slams them for some really bad decision making. And, and in that, he helps the, uh, the church in Galatia make a good decision. And he also helped the church at River Life make good decisions. Okay? So we're going to talk about, it, it is Galatians 6. And it's actually the ending of the book. So, so if, you, if you want to follow along, it'll be on the screen as well. But it's out of Galatians 6. I'm reading it out of NIV this week. So if you've got your Bible, you can flip to it. you got your phone, you can click to it. So it's Galatians 6. It's actually the very end of the book. You can follow along. It's going to be up on the screen here as well. Okay? So let's, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the whole passage, and then I'm going to break it down a little bit. So Galatians 6, starting in verse 12. Here we go. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Excuse me. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. So let's break this down a little bit. So Paul actually makes five arguments against the Judaizers who are trying to convince people to decide to get circumcised. He makes five arguments against them. Okay? And we're going to kind of break it, each one. Okay, So the first one, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh. 
So his first argument, they want to impress people. They're making this decision to impress people, okay? They're not doing it for themselves. They're not doing it out of their own conviction. They're doing it because they want to look good to other people, okay? Criticism number one. Let's go to the next one, okay? Those people are trying to compel you to get circumcised. His criticism, they're using pressure. They're pressuring people. And I can just imagine that they're using shame. They're using power. People, uh, they have hierarchy uh, and status hierarchy. So people in higher positions are probably pressuring people in lower positions. They're using power. They're using shame. They're using guilt. They're using family pressure. All of that. They're pressuring people. Okay, let's continue. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. His third criticism, they're doing this out of fear. They're doing this out of fear. Okay? They're afraid because at that time there was persecution. which means, So Christians were getting arrested. Christians were getting beat up. It, it, it was kind of a tough time to be Christian. And he's sort of implying here that those folks who, who want to get circumcised, if, if the church at Galatia starts getting persecuted, starts getting arrested, they could just be like, no, I'm not with the Christians. I'm over here with the Jews. Yeah, we're okay because Jews weren't getting persecuted. They just kept to themselves. Okay, so they're saying they're doing this out of fear. Let's continue. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. They might keep this one little part of the law, but they're not even keeping the whole law. So, so his fourth complaint is that their reasoning is flawed. Their reasoning is flawed. You ever made a decision with flawed logic? It usually comes back to bite you on the tail. Okay? So their reasoning is flawed. Why are they making such a big deal out of one thing when they aren't even keeping the rest of the law? Okay, let's continue. Yet, they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. His complaint, they want to brag about it. They want to brag about it. Okay? Oh, look how spiritual I am. Okay? Look how culturally strong I am. I'm keeping the culture strong, that, that we're the ones holding on to our culture. You're abandoning your culture. Any of that sound familiar? Second Gen Mong? Okay? So this wasn't just a religious thing. This was a cultural thing. Okay? And, and my guess is you probably have some people who, who've, who've got some Hmong pride, maybe a little bit too much Hmong pride. <laughs> They're pretty proud of how Hmong they are. These are folks who are really proud of how Jewish they are. Okay? So that, and they wanted to brag about it. Okay. Then he shifts. So five criticisms of, of the Judaizers and their argument, and then he shifts, and he starts, and then he takes it home. Here it is. May I never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And, and here's his key phrase. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. So he just made an enormous case against circumcision. And then he turns around and says, circumcised, not circumcised. Snipped, not snipped, doesn't matter. You know what does matter? Are you a new creation? Are you renewed by God? Are you transformed by God? And we see from this this principle 
God cares about your decision, but he cares more about your transformation. God cares about your decision. Don't think for a moment God does not care about the decisions you make. God cares about your decision, but you know what? He cares about your transformation more. And that's often where we blow it. We often feel, we often put all of our attention toward our decisions. And we forget that God wants to transform us into something new. What matters is a new creation. So my guess is that your big change this year isn't whether to get circumcised or not. Okay? Is that a safe bet? Okay? I, I, I'm fairly sure that's a safe bet. Okay? But some of you still have a big change that you would like to see in 2016. Okay? How do you make that decision well? Well, what's amazing about Paul's wisdom is all of that still helps us today. Okay? Let's go through his five arguments again. Let's go through his five arguments, but let's not apply it to circumcision. Let's apply it to your big decision. Whatever that big decision is, how to get out of debt, how to take more steps, how, how to get back into school, whether to go to school, whether to keep this job, leave this job, whether to start having kids, get legally married, long married, whatever, okay? Let's apply it to your big decisions. So let me go through these again. And I'm, I'm going to have a slide. I'm going to go through one by one, and then I'm going to have a slide with all of them up on a page. So, okay, so here you go. First one. So, so these are the questions that you should be asking when you have a big decision. First, are you trying to interest, impress people? Are you trying to impress people with your decision? I had some serious 1988 arm candy on my arm here at the dance. It's a big thing to be walking around with the homecoming queen. Okay? Backfired on me. Seriously backfired on me. Okay? And when you try to impress people, your decisions are going to backfire on you. Okay? Let's continue. Are you being pressured? Are you being pressured to make that decision? Are you being pressured to have kids from your family? Chances are that's going to cause some stress in your marriage. Are you, get, are you being pressured to get married? Even though you know you've got some stuff in the relationship that you need to work out. Get a little healthier. Okay? Are you being pressured? Let's continue. Are you doing it out of fear? Sometimes we choose not to do something out of fear. Sometimes you choose to do something because the other one is easier and you're afraid to do something new. Are you, are you making a decision out of fear? Next, okay? Is your reasoning flawed? Is your reasoning flawed? I, I had a conversation once with someone who was, who was, was wanting to transfer jobs. And so they want, because there was another job, someone had offered, had kind of been courting them, and it was more money. But it was going to be more time, more demanding, that, that often comes with the more money, okay? And, and so he said, but, but we're struggling to make it. That, that more money would help us a lot. Meanwhile, and, and I kind of joked, because a couple weeks ago I saw on Facebook he, that he just bought some new kicks, okay? He's upgrading his phone, He's got memberships to here and there to there. I'm like, dude, you're already wasting so much money on a bunch of stuff you could cut. Okay? If you want to get a job, don't pretend it's about money. 
Because if it's really about money, there are other ways to do it. His reasoning was flawed. Okay, let's continue. Do you want to brag about it? You want that new job? Because it's got a nice title. Maybe you work downtown up in a big old office and you can't wait to take that picture from your office window and post on Facebook to see how cool it looks. You have a great view of the river. Okay? Do you want to brag about it? Sometimes we make decisions because we want to brag. It usually does not end well. Okay? Also, and, and so those are his five arguments, but there's also that, that statement about transformation. So here's a question you can ask yourself. Here's the sixth one. Are you seeking transformation or just a change? Are you seeking transformation or just a change? Because remember, God cares about your decision, but he cares more about your transformation. God cares about your decision, but he cares more about your transformation. So the same wrong reasons the Judaizers were trying to convince people, honestly, are the same wrong reasons we make decisions. They're the same wrong reasons, and Paul just blasts them all. all right? And those are the decisions that we regret. If you let any one of those, or let even worse, a lot of them, drive your decision-making, I promise you, it's not going to end well. At some point, you will regret that decision because you made them for the wrong reasons. You made them for really bad reasons. And we, we've all got that story behind us. But imagine if we could avoid some bad decisions this year. Imagine the pain you could avoid by testing your decisions by seeking transformation instead. Imagine the hurt you can avoid from yourself, the hurt you can avoid for your family, for your pocketbook, for your faith. Because here's the amazing thing about being a new creation in Christ. Here's the amazing thing about being transformed. All of a sudden, those decisions become really clear. But when we focus on the decision instead of the transformation, the decisions get muddy. The decisions get difficult. So I want to be a church of transformed people. And my guess is so do you. I'm tired of churches that just stay the same year after year, decade after decade. McGat churches, Hmong churches, doesn't matter. I don't want us to be that. We're, we're, we're young, we're fresh, it's easy, but someday we'll be older. We'll all be older. I don't want to be the same as we are today. I don't want to be the same church, and I don't want you to be the same people. I don't want you to be having the same fights with your parents. I don't want you to be having the same fights with your spouse, making the same bad decisions. I want you to be transformed. God wants you to be transformed. Because when you're transformed, river life gets transformed. When river life gets transformed, our city gets transformed. And our families get transformed. Schools like CPE get transformed because of transformed people here at River Life. 
So pour your energy toward being a new creation in Christ. And the decisions, they become a lot easier.